that Ubisoft didn't screw up. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I bet I bet you Ubisoft tried to get in on this one and they just couldn't quite make it. Also, I don't you, I don't even know if anyone's working at Ubisoft anymore. In, in my research, Ubisoft um, says ancient Japan would be the worst place to set an Assassin's Creed game. Well, define ancient. Are we talking you know, yeah. Tokugawa period, the Sengoku period? pre-Sengoku period come on this is this is for uh, sure not, no yeah this is for sure not ancient Japan this is 1274 so it's like uh, the very beginning uh, of uh well I don't even think they said that I think it was just Japan in general because a lot of people have been asking for it to be set in Japan because it is weird it is weird that they never tried it yeah uh, it and it's kind of it's especially weird when you consider that you know there is a lot of opportunity I mean you've got literally Hattori Hanzo as a potential character for the assassins. It's like, holy shit, guys. You could have, like, the like the ninja, like, were basically just, like, pre- precursors to the assassin. Or, like, I guess not precursors, oh. but, like, contemporaries of them. But the, anyway, like, being a ninja is fun. You get to throw yeah. big knives and big stars. Oh, not even that. It's, you know... You know, the the popular image of the ninja, you know, guy clad in black you know, running around, you know, that that owes more to stage tradition than anything else. Yeah. A real ninja is somebody who literally blends in. It's like, you you know, yeah. is it that is that it's that, that guy with by the rice cart? Is it, ninja, yeah. yeah. Is it the woman selling grilled eel over in, by, in, at the stand there? Unagi. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the Japanese words I know. Uh, okay, if everyone could uh, just stop, stop and take a second. Just can everyone breathe in really deeply, quickly? Do you smell that that maple syrup kind of smell? The plastic <laughs> sort of smell around you. That's right. We're already in the podcast. Uh, welcome everybody to Game Busters. This is a podcast from GameLuster.com. Uh, I'm your host Nirav, and I am joined today by my uh, lovely co-hosts. Uh, please go around. Uh, I'm. Hi. <laughs> this Every was time. okay. I maybe I should. I, I don't know. I didn't think I'd need to order everybody, but okay. So, um, introduce yourself in alphabetical order, please. Oh shit. Hi, I'm Axel. Hi, I'm Jess. Hi, I'm Ryan. Okay, that worked out. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, Axel and Jess are here with me from GameLuster.com, and we have our, our special guest Ryan, who is, um, my my uh my good friend from the real world the the meat space uh and today we're gonna talk about some video games um i want to try anything to sort of like um I don't, I don't know get us started wean us in um and uh I, I had this idea this this vision uh in my head as i was driving it it took over my it took over my whole site which wasn't good i could i could easily have crashed but what i saw was a new segment um so, uh, this is called Parks or Rec. So, what I want you to do, each of you, is we're going to go around and I want everyone to talk about either a nice visit you had to a park one time or just something you would recommend. Anything. It doesn't have to be a media thing. It can be some product or whatever or just, like, a good new coffee you found or something. Like, it can be whatever. So, Axel, why don't you start us off? Okay. Well, uh... <clears throat> Since it uh, since it is averaging about 110 Fahrenheit out here, there's not a whole lot of uh, park stuff going on right at the moment. 
but I really I've, I've been wanting to uh, to go back down to the Sonoran Desert Museum uh, down around Tucson. Uh, it's you know, it's just a really great facility, uh, very broad number of exhibits. It's got everything from earth sciences to butterfly pavilions to hummingbird pavilions to even a small zoo. Edutainment. Uh, oh, you know, just a lot of stuff. I mean, you it is literally impossible to get bored at, at the Snorton Desert Museum. And I'm, I would really love to get back down there sometime this year if for no other reason than I'm tired of being cooped up. That's fair. Uh, Jess, what you, what you got? Uh, I don't really go to parks that often because I worked in a theme park for about three years. Oh, no, tell me about that instead. <laughs> you get screamed at a lot. Is this like yeah. a British Disney World kind of situation? What are we looking at? Oh, it's... Yeah, it's 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 not really. Uh, it, apart from... And towers and say Fort Park, England doesn't really have that many good uh, theme parks. Not like not like in America where the roller coasters are like the size of the UK itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, it, I actually was. I I think I actually looked into that a while ago because I was like, what is the theme park situation in other countries? And like, for the most part, not really <laughs> is the thing. A lot yeah, of uh, a lot of people in other countries specifically come to America to the, for the theme parks. Yeah, the one I worked at it was more like a family park, and it's it, it um, recently when it went into administration because of coronavirus. That's kind of like the situation at the moment. But it was rescued because it's kind of like a charity, and some of the rides there are so old that they are considered a historical monument. Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's probably not safe though if the ride is old enough to be a historical monument. Well, they say it's old enough to be a historical monument, but I don't think it really counts when they've basically replaced it like brick by brick. Oh, or the, the Theseus is ship problem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is this still the same roller coaster? It's not a roller coaster. They've got two. So the park I'm talking about is Wixfield Park, and um, they've, the two what that are historical monuments. It's a um, a merry-go-round, um, and then it's this thing called a water shoot and you know um log you, you, a log flume is. yeah yeah we have log flume yeah. yeah i wasn't sure if it had a different name or something but um the bit at the end of a log flume where it goes down that steep like drop at the end basically okay. this thing's called a, it's called the water shoot and it's basically that part of the log flume ride that's right. been there since like the 1930s huh only the 30s that that's like night that's 90 years it's not quite a century uh usually the for a historic monument that uh at least here in the states it's got to be at least 100 years for the most part unless it's a tree in charleston and then maybe about 15 will do it <laughs> uh that's a joke for ch 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 shout out from my charleston friends um okay so uh ryan what you what you bring in with me what you bring in here uh recreationally i mean have you guys heard of this thing called alcohol i don't know um but for parks there's a creek by my house it's fun to sit in sometimes <laughs> uh we got paddle boards recently i love the idea of you inviting everyone listening to come to the creek behind your house and sit in it <laughs> dude honestly the people in my neighborhood are just inviting everybody over there so it's bunch, not it bunch would be, folks it wouldn't be that weird yeah i mean 
<laughs> Seriously. I mean, I guess for like right now, I mean, I guess that's how you hang out with people is sitting in a creek together. So. <laughs> yeah. There's not much to do. I yeah. Don't know. Is this what it was like in the medieval times? <laughs> well, l- less you know, less buboes in the in this current era, I suppose. But. Uh, okay. Because they went extinct. <laughs> no, no, no. The. Uh, Buboes are the uh, blisters that come up when you get the bubonic plague. No, I think those those bluefoot birds. No, uh, it's not... okay. no, they're still they're, they're still, still around. around? Oh. Okay, yeah, I don't dodos know. are. That was a bad. That was just sort of a bad joke all around. All right, uh, I'm gonna leave it behind. Uh, everyone, please step with me into the Hall of Fame luster. If everyone could just come with me, please. Uh, follow Ooh. the red carpet right in. <laughs> um, again. Uh, I, I still haven't really received word on what the Hall of Fame luster is going to physically look like. Um, uh, we're, we're working on the, the permits right now to get it constructed. Um, sort of like in an Animal Crossing thing. If you guys want to like contribute like 70,000 of the 72,000 bells we need, and then like I'll just kind of throw in the last 2,000, uh, that would be great. Can it look like the Kojima product? Whoa, hold on. That's a very good idea. I, like, last week it was suggested that it looked like the Animal Crossing Museum, but, like, if it could just look like the Kojima Production Studio, where it's just, like, everything's chrome and, like, Squidward's, like, on the floor <laughs> screaming future, like, that would be very good. Um, anyway, so the Hall of Fame luster, like I said, uh, we're, we're here. So this week we're going to do um, the most improved, which is, uh, this is going to be a game that is the most improved from its direct predecessor in a series. So... Uh, I want this to be the one that made people be like, holy crap, like, they, like, perfected this formula, this idea. Or, like, they, they just, like, I can't even believe that first one was part of the same series, you know, kind of a thing. So, uh, we're gonna run around for a second, so, uh, let's see here. Ryan, why don't you start us off? What did, what'd you bring with you? Alright, um, I think, okay, if we can consider that, if we skip the DS games, I think Breath of the Wild is probably the winner from Skyward Sword. Okay, that's a fair one. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's just night and day. Yeah, all right. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit about why you think that, because I, I know we got some Skyward Sword stands in the audience, I'm sure. I, Chelsea might be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've played Skyward Sword. It has a special place in my heart, but uh, honestly, I just I didn't have a lot of fun playing it. Um, I, I thought every other 3D... Zelda game was better, better executed, better polished, better everything, and I know Breath of the Wild is considered almost not a Zelda game, but, I mean, gosh, it's just in the top ten for, I know, a lot of people, including probably you. So, I mean, I don't think I need to, I'm probably not the expert on why Breath of the Wild is one of the best games ever made, but I think it's pretty agreed. That's a fair one. Um, yeah, it's it's probably well known. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I Breath of the Wild is genuinely my, my favorite video game ever made, and I I do think it's like kind of the best one ever made. And I do think that, like, I love all the Zeldas, but like, man, I I think that like I it's so weird. You're right though. Like, I I kind of like playing Breath of the Wild was kind of like oh this all this other stuff that they threw out from Zelda was extraneous nonsense. Like they didn't they never needed any of it. Um. But anyway, okay, that's a that's a good poll. Jess, what do you got? Evil Within 2, like, straight away when I saw that question. 
Okay, nice. Um, I've I've only watched a playthrough of The Evil Within and and the second one. I have not played them myself. Tell me a little bit about them. So basically, the reason why I picked this one was because it had a complete genre change as well as like the atmosphere and everything. So the first game, um, you play as a cop called Sebastian, who um, I can't remember why they end up in this guy's head. But basically, they get transported into this world, which is created using this uh, mental guy's brain. And because it's, like, made from this, like, unstable brain, it's, like, falling into bits. And it's a horror game, um, a survival horror game. And the first game was more just kind of, like, shooting zombies, having fun, like, um, like shooting monsters and stuff, and some cool boss battles. But then the second game had a complete mood change where it became a psychological horror and there was far more like stealth involved. Um, there was there was far more like creepy bits, I, I feel like, because the tension was more like built up and the storyline was vastly improved because one of the main issues with the first game is you, you don't really know what's going on most of the time and it only kind of like pulls through together at the end. Whereas with the second one, like it... it hits the ground running basically okay nice yeah i think um it was uh so the first one's like kind of similar to resident evil you think yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it's the same guy right shinji mikami yeah Yeah, and then um for the sequel um i can't remember the name of the director but he had directed one of the dlcs for the first game and apparently this was quite a good dlc and because he had done so well on that as his first project, they had him on board for the second game. Um, all right, that's a good one. All right, Axel, what you got? Okay, uh, this is going back a ways. Uh, most improved direct from its direct predecessor for me uh, would probably be Jagged Alliance 2. Uh, it was on the PC, never got a console release. Probably would have been tough to pull off, but still would have been cool. Uh, the original Jagged Alliance was basically a top-down strategy game. Uh, you hired mercenaries, you cleared sectors, you made money to hire more mercenaries, improve their loot. Uh, each mercenary had its own personality, had their own preferences. You know, even cases where if you put two mercenaries together, they they might have you know, a personality conflict, or they might get along really, really well. But but the mechanics in the first game were just freaking terrible. It was a case where if you wanted to try and scum save through combat, you you had to actually exit out of the program itself. (laughs) It was that bad. So Jagged Alliance 2 comes along, everything is improved. Uh, It's a shift to isometric viewpoint as opposed to top-down the sprites are radically improved the gear system radically improved they everything is much more accessible you can see when your people are tired when they're scared when they're slowly bleeding to death from a gunshot wound and the story was considerably better it still had bugs uh including a kind of a game-breaking bug right at the end but from its original iteration radically improved and i don't think it it has ever been that good since 
All right, so uh, my entry is Pokemon Gold and Silver. So uh, just coming off of, like, uh, Red and Blue, like, what they improved, uh, I mean, obviously adding, like, a bunch of features like <laughs> fishing and, like, breeding and uh, being able to select, like, from your menu, uh, like, put things on, register things. And so did, did everybody uh, play uh, Red and Blue, like, back in the day or, like, uh, ever, I guess? I did not. I I did not get a uh, a Nintendo handheld until you know probably 2010. Wow! I played uh, Red Gold and Sapphire Blue. I uh I don't I don't know if those are real ones. Red Gold and Red Red Ruby Red and Sapphire Blue. That was it. The Red I, Gold. I think you yeah. might have the remasters. Game Boy Advance. You mean like Fire Red and Leaf Green? That was it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think those. Uh, I think Ruby Red might uh have been a fan game. You accidentally <laughs> played. I. I had green um for my first Pokemon experience ever, but it was in one of these like uh, knockoff fifty games in one packs from Malaysia that I got, and uh, I couldn't save, and it was all in Japanese. And I still actually somehow had a good time. I think Red was the one I got right after that. But I liked yellow more. How did you do Pokemon battles when? <laughs> did you just go eeny weeny miny moe with the boxes? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the beginning, there's not there's not a lot of choices to be honest. Okay, so just to like, I, I guess get back into what I was saying. Uh, so, gold and silver was just crazy because of, I mean, specifically also the the Kanto region, right? So the first game takes place in the uh, Kanto region, and Gold and Silver takes place in the next door Johto region three years later. And so you beat Johto, you beat the Elite Four and all that all that good stuff. And then you're told that like, oh, wait, don't you want to go back to the whole region that you did before? And but like it's three years later and like time has actually changed it. Like different people are there. Koga's daughter is the gym leader because he's like the Elite Four now and uh, stuff like that. And then there was just stuff like the uh, like the legendary dogs like running around the whole of johto and you could like get attacked by them at any time and you would just never be prepared for it and it was just like would keep you on your toes uh and i, I mean like they, they fixed a lot of the type chart thing i i think i mean fixed is i mean in in quotes but it became a lot more intuitive understanding how the game worked and then you know making it clear which attacks use special attack and which ones used a. uh, uh attack and defense versus special and then changing special from being one stat to splitting it into two stats so it like you know was you know made sense and was discernible but anyway so that's my thing does anyone uh, have anything negative trash talk they want to say no, these are all really solid choices i would say okay um yeah i mean they're that's that's good i guess i was kind of hoping for a little bit more <laughs> i guess anger um and, and hatred sort of flowing out between you guys. Well, I've never played um, the Jagged Thorn game. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't either. No. Okay, so... Um, so I guess that's us trashing you, it. Yeah, let, that's our trash talk for today. Yeah. Is that... Um, I, I don't even know what your thing is. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Get out. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's pull this together. Um, everybody, where are your uh, votes going to go? Uh, let's let's go ahead and get uh, those locked in. Uh, <clears throat> definitely going to uh, put one down for for uh, Jagged Alliance two. Uh, I'm going to put the other one with uh, Evil Within two. Uh, 
okay. uh, I I did get a chance. I briefly met uh, Shinji Mikami at E3 uh, when they were, Wait, when they were showing off uh, the original Evil Within. He he was just he was standing there at the presentation, you know, plaid shirt, trucker hat, looking like the most normal, slightly hipsterish guy that you can imagine. And then I you see Evil Within trailer, you know, the the demo for Evil Within is like. Nice. I've only played Pokemon and Res and Evil Within, so that's where my like okay. going. Simple enough. Uh, get those in. All right, uh, Ryan. <laughs> what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I'm gonna put mine down for Breath of the Wild and uh, Gen Two Pokemon for sure. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, so I am also gonna put uh down Breath of the Wild because it is like I said, like my favorite game ever, and. Uh, Pokemon uh, Gen 2, which to me is just like so, so super impressive coming off of Red and Blue. Um, and I guess that makes me the winner uh, of today's Hall of Fame Luster uh, contest. So thank you uh, for coming to my own award ceremony for myself. Um, like I said, the uh, the hall is under construction. I've, I've applied with the local government uh, for the building permit. So we'll let you guys know when that's ready to roll out. All right, so I guess it's that time. Let's get into Bustums. Today, we're going to be talking about the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like Skyrim's history, I guess, first. Uh, so it is the fifth game in a in a series, actually, uh, the Elder Scrolls V, obviously. I, I think that it's likely that a lot of the general public hasn't noticed the tiny writing that sells the Elder Scrolls V above, above the big Skyrim on the cover. Um but uh, the first one was called Elder Scrolls Arena, I think, Arena, and then uh, Daggerfall, uh, Morrowind, and then Oblivion, and then Skyrim. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So Morrowind uh, is now pretty well beloved, uh, but Oblivion was the one that kind of like broke out to the to make to like to sort of the general public, yeah. I think. Um, now, uh, what what do you guys mm. think about that? Was Oblivion kind of the thing? Not that necessarily. Uh, Morrowind did get a lot of praise because it went it made the jump to three D. Uh, comparatively speaking, it was fairly popular, and it okay, and it and it, and it, it wasn't you know th this insane. Oh my god, everybody's got to get it! But it built up a really solid following fairly quickly. Right. So like, uh, there were a lot of fans. I yeah, guess, and, by that time. and then it it when uh, it was also coming out on Xbox. Oh yeah. Okay. People like, oh god, we can have this giant open world game on Xbox. <gasps> Right, and and even that, like the at that time, I, I think like RPGs kind of were seen as the thing that were like kind of for PCs. Well, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, that you you had your JRPGs like Final Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Star, Star Ocean, and lots of stars, lots of fantasy. Yeah, uh, but Morrowind was definitely a departure from the JRPGs that were kind of linked mentally i think with consoles yeah i, I think yeah. like uh, i don't know i think rpgs back in this time like the late 90s early 2000s were sort of seen as the thing where it was sort of a pc centric idea and like they were kind of generally inaccessible and were like kind of i don't know made to be that way almost um but it's it's interesting because this is one of the ones that like kind of brought the idea of these hardcore RPGs into console players in the first place was Oblivion. <clears throat> Oblivion, I believe. Five. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So, if just for context on that, like, I don't know if everyone knows this, but 
Uh, a lot of Fallout 3, like, which was, uh, this is Bethesda Game Studios, by the way, uh, who made uh, the Elder Scrolls games, also creators of, not creators, actually, um, developers of Fallout. Um, so this was when they got the Fallout license. Uh, I believe Fallout uh, 3 came out in 2008, I want to say. And uh, Fallout 3 was actually sort of a, the map from it was a reskinned map from Oblivion. It was the same map. Um, they just changed out the buildings on it and the structures, and then they, they put new textures over the wow. meshes. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was just sort of some background info. But uh, be- before we get too far along, I guess, if if you're into video games, I'm pretty much 99.9% sure you've heard of Skyrim at the very least. Um, but if you're, if you're, you know, if you're not familiar with it, basically it's an open world fantasy uh, RPG. Uh, it can, it's like a first person or third person game. You can switch between them. Uh, completely like you know like a 3d world um and it's uh kind of a just a big sandbox really i guess it's um there's not like a tight storyline to follow or anything like that it is really just very concentrated on being open world like skyrim is one of those uh open world games that is absolutely dependent on being an open world game like it could not exist in some other way um yeah but yeah anyway the so I guess if you guys played the uh, the uh, the older ones, did you get Skyrim on on day one? Were you like a day one adopter? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right away. Uh, I I when you know going back to that same E3 where uh, Shinji Mikami was showing off the original Evil Within, they were also showing off Skyrim uh, at that same time or at that same uh, press briefing. And Todd was I there. was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, I was of two minds there. Part of me was thinking, wow, this is so pretty. Yeah, they. I was admiring how they were handling the technical side of things, how they were doing the draw distances and, and whatnot, uh, how you could see literally for miles. And it's like, okay, oh, hey, there's a ruin up on that. Is mountain. that mountain? I'm probably going to have to go explore that, aren't I? You can climb it. And uh, that was... Uh, you can climb it. Yeah. Yeah. That, the... that no. That's that. That uh, was what was said at the uh, CD Project Red briefing for for Witcher Three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and well. I, and I kind of wish that uh, they had said something like that uh, in uh, in the Skyrim briefing because it's only half true. You can climb the mountain only if you go up the right. You path. have to press Y fast enough, uh, like many times. At least with Witcher with Witcher Witcher Three, you could. You know, maybe try and take a non-traditional path. You know, I, you know, you're not like free climbing, but yeah. there are a couple of alternate ways up a mountain. Yeah, it's there's a lot of. Uh, I I did pop for the uh, for the collector's edition uh, for Skyrim when it came out. Nice. Uh, my my roommate did and that. I do not regret that. We uh, we had the big statue of the dragon in our dorm room my freshman year. Yeah, <clears throat> but but when I first played it, it's like okay. It looks great. It looks beautiful. Right. But why is everything so dumbed down compared to yeah. Morrowind? Right. I mean, I... seriously, the Morrowind was the first Elder Scrolls game that I played, and okay. it left a mark because you could do a lot with it. You know, it was very you know it could be have a very granular kind of hero. I mean, yeah, ultimately you'd get everything up to a hundred, but yeah, sure. You had options. You could really do a lot with it. 
Skyrim, I quickly determined this is this is gimped. Did you play yeah, a lot okay, of Oblivion? Well... Uh, I did play. I did play Oblivion, uh, not as much as I have Skyrim, and not as much as I have Morrowind. Uh, okay. Oblivion. Oblivion didn't get good for me, I think, until uh, Shivering Isles came out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Knights of the Nine was cool, but Shivering Isles was the real draw for that one. Yeah, people love that but, one. Yeah. <clears throat> but Oblivion, even that, you know, even then I saw them trying to pare things down, try to make it simpler. And I think part, I think part of that was the whole idea of okay, we're we, we need to get this so console players can play it. And right, I, I mean that was the whole bit for that. Yeah, it, it it definitely did. I mean, like whether that's good or bad, I guess. Is uh, to... I loved Scar when it first came out. I was about eleven, and I'm actually replaying it again recently um, during lockdown. Yeah, uh, but one thing it's I feel wow. like after playing, I know there was a massive like um, like time gap between Skyrim and The Witcher Three. I think it's a bit unfair to compare them, but after playing games like that, I kind of realised that Skyrim like falls victim of a massive thing of uh, of a massive thing called um, quantity over quality of the yeah. uh, quests. There's like a handful of great quests. And then after a while, you kind of just keep on being given quests of, oh, I was strolling for a cave full of uh, massive giant spiders and I happened to drop the family heirloom I was carrying at the time. Could you go and get it for me? I've got like a bad pack. Yeah, that's and, sort of... Uh, yeah, I think I think after playing so many games where, like The Witcher 3, where even the side quests are really well written and a lot of thought has gone into them, that mm -hmm. Skyrim just kind of gets quite boring after a while i feel like we're only saying negative things right now um so like why why is this game so famous then uh so for for like why is the game so famous i think that a big part of it is the intro yeah you're finally awake and like i i think the intro is one of the most well done intros for especially a game that you're supposed to you're just being dropped in this big world it kind of lets you know most of the things that you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your playthrough, at least for the main quest. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and then I also think that a, a lot of the other fantasy games um, of the same era are trying to be like really edgy and cool and sexy. Oh my god! Yeah. And um, have you have you guys? Uh... Skyrim really isn't like you're just a guy. You can be anybody, and there's not like. I don't know, hot, scantily clad women throwing themselves at you. It's just like a world. Right. So uh, if everyone, if anyone doesn't know what it looks like, everyone, please go to Google Images and search for the cover for the Elder Scrolls Arena, please. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I already know. Yeah. No. You, <laughs> yeah. You, you know. Um. Uh, yeah. That. I. I think I learned this from the the no clip documentary on Bethesda Game Studios about like Todd Howard saying like, oh, like that, like is the thing that like drew my eye <laughs> to like the cover of the Elder Scrolls uh, arena, but, like, what's inside is, like, not at all that. Like, uh, it's it's weird. Like, I think at the time, that was sort of what companies felt that, like, people wanted from fantasy RPGs. Um, 
just based on who they thought their clientele was, whether they were correct around that or, or not. Um, it's funny that nobody looks like like the, like the characters on the cover. There is no armor in Arena that looks anything like what they have on there. No, yeah, like that's, <laughs> I, and I mean, back back in the day, that was pretty much like what it was, though, that because the art was like the the cover art was the art for the game like it was it was a lot of pixelated stuff right yeah yeah so like yeah you, you had to fill in the blanks mentally speaking but right yeah the the images were like you know 10 pixels and it's like okay let my let me let me turn this to 40 pixels with my brain um yeah but anyway so yeah just to like get into the the whole thing we we're saying though is Skyrim was sort of made to appeal to to the masses like it, it took the ideas from the previous games and was like how do we make this like widely accessible to everybody people who aren't familiar with RPGs like people who aren't playing Dungeons and Dragons and like you know like CD based RPGs and on their PCs and stuff and um, it's yeah sure it's I mean there there's some benefits that's that okay this happened to a much higher degree with Fallout 4 like for sure where they, they kind of stripped away a lot of the RPG elements to make it more accessible. And, I mean, I guess it worked. Like, Fallout 4 is the best, like, single RPG, like, best-selling single RPG of, of all time. But, I don't know. Like, it's sort of a double-blade... Uh, double-edged sword. Like, a, it's a double-edged blade. It's a Darth Maul bl- sword. And the <laughs> Darth Maul... Um, the Darth Maul sword says... On one end, like, okay, this is, like, anybody can play this and understand it, and they don't have to, like, understand the, the complexities of, of how, like, you know, tabletop RPGs work and stuff like that. But the other end of the, the, the lightsaber, I guess, is, like, literally, like, anybody can enjoy it. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... So just to go... I mean, I'm going to have more examples later for uh, another part, but, uh, like... They, they took away features to make it more simple, but they didn't really do anything to make the features that they already had flow better or feel better or anything. They didn't they didn't improve the features that they already had. They just took some away, really. Yeah. Okay, so I know this is like a big meme, ha ha ha, but uh, everyone here, have has everyone here bought Skyrim at least twice, like on two separate consoles? Yeah. 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 I, I I had I I, I bought it uh, the the special edition for PS4 uh, not too not too recently uh, but uh, you know I I was I'm at a point where my PC is kind of dead at the moment so I I I, I wanted to play Skyrim and it was out on PS4 so it's like yeah okay I'll, I'll get yeah it. that's how that's how Todd gets you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, okay, just for me, for me personally, like, I, I originally played it in, like, maybe it was 2015 or something, um, was the first time, and I played this, the special edition, actually, um, on my, uh, PC, and everyone was like, oh, you should, you should mod it, and I was like, cool, I will do that, and so I got, like, a bunch of, like, super not lore-friendly mods, but, like, mostly quality of life stuff, and I did a few, like, overhaul things, like, a lot cooler plants, and, like, a bunch of spells, and got to ride a unicorn, you know, all, all the stuff that... Yeah. All the stuff that it's missing. And so the the second time I played it was on uh, on Switch. Like the first one on PC, the modded one, I put like 150-something hours into it. I'm guessing you guys no. have yeah. Done, some, yeah. done some hours on this one. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but like uh and then on on switch i put like another 55 60 hours on it and i did that one with no mods like a vanilla one and i surprisingly still really enjoyed it that playthrough was when i did dawn guard uh, yeah I, I really liked the dlcs for skyrim yeah um, like they're kind good. of like the first dlcs i'd gotten for a game where like it it felt like it's it could be its own separate game especially with uh dragonborn because there was quite a lot of content in with it and i love yeah. it love how they kind of went back to morrowind but not quite like yeah. there with uh silver steam and um soul soul steam soul star i can't remember soul, soul, um, dark, dark souls 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 born soul time yeah and it's soul um, time baby yeah <laughs> souls of time and um it was and in dawn guard i love the storyline of um how it's kind of like dipped into uh, vampirism but at the same time we found out a little bit a little bit more about the snow elves and um what happened with the falmer and uh, i love that kind of lore yeah uh a shout out yeah. to my one true love serana uh the companion from dawn guard who's a vampire lady um who I will uh also they took her away from me I couldn't you can't marry her in the vanilla version which was of course one of the first mods that I installed um on, on PC was to marry her so Ryan I know you spent like a ton of time on like the Elder Scrolls games and like diving into the lore and like getting into it so like what is it rather than like recite it back to us right now like I mean what is it about the lore that interests you so much to get you like reading like that that's that's a hard see I it's hard for me to to put a finger on exactly what it is, but I I can just say that like I mean it, it I don't know if the games themselves actually do that great a job compared to any other game that has been out and you know you a fantasy game like this, uh, but it's like every little corner has more to it when you look at it and for some reason i i want to look at it like on the surface level there's there's all these things happening and um you're just like what what is that why why do they want to stop the warship of talos okay I don't, I don't really get it and then you you like just look a little deeper into that and you find out all this more and all these words that you don't know and you're like what's that this is confusing i don't know but then it for me it just stayed in my mind and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i'm like i'm gonna try to figure this out again i that's just me i don't know i'm sure for a lot of people that's not fun but the other the other big fantasy world that i've spent a lot of hours in is, and and i only realized how much i don't know about it from from near recently making this big trivia thing for our D group and um i played thirteen thousand hours of guild wars um that was and he made he made a trivia list for us, and I don't know much about that lore at all, man. Uh, but for some reason, I've I've only played a few thousand hours of the Elder Scrolls, and and I I just know a lot about it because it, I find it so interesting. Love games where you could walk into a room, and if you go on the Wikipedia uh, page for this room, there's usually some kind of backstory to it. Um, from software I do this so much with uh, the dark Souls series like you'll just go somewhere and there'll be some like deformed beasts like lumbering after you and if you look up online like the, the name of whatever's like trying to kill you there's probably some massive backstory behind it 
Yeah. Now the the lore for Elder Scrolls is really dense, and but it it's dense in a way that is not contrived. I think. I think you know a lot of it does come from the fact that it's a long running series that it has had time to build up a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, again, I, I started playing in Morrowind, so there was already at least two or three games, actually four, come to think of it, uh, you know, two mainline games and then uh, Battlespire and Redguard. So you have a, you have four games worth of lore already backstopping this thing. And it just, it's really well done. I mean, you get the feeling of, okay, this is this is right somehow. This feels like it should be in this world that it is describing a history, that it is describing a religious treatise, that it is describing a piece of literature. You know, you're reading a piece of literature. Even though, comparatively speaking, it's not all that long. You know, it's maybe two or three pages yeah. total in real text, but when you're looking at it in the game, you know, it feels like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is a book. This is something that people are reading, that people would be talking about. And uh, to expand on that, um, you'll you'll find something and you'll be like, oh, that's cool. I think I get this one event now. And then you'll find another book that says something different. And you're just like, wait, hold on. I, th I thought it was that other thing. It's which one's right. And then now you're back in limbo again. And I, that's something that I like about the game. I know a lot of people don't like that. No, I I absolutely like it. I you know I like seeing how an event can be described from different angles, even from within what is supposed to be one single polity. You know, the yeah. and you've got you've got the Empire of Tamriel that's covering this entire continent, but you it's made up of smaller kingdoms that are you know, vassals to it. And each culture is looking at things differently. So you're going to see a different interpretation of, you know, famous battles. You're going to see a different interpretation of, you know, notable personalities. And, and even beyond that, I mean, do, do you near Vergest, uh, do you guys actually know what a dragon break is i know you've heard the term probably because it was repeated in skyrim a bunch it's but... when you hit the dragon good <laughs> Either... oh i don't know <laughs> it, 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 i mean in the end from my understanding it's really just an explanation from uh daggerfall to explain all of the different possibilities that your character could have chosen to do and um instead of just picking one and saying this is canon they made every possibility true, but only parts of them true, and that's like a timey wimey wibbly wobbly dragon. Oh, break. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So it's, uh, it's not—it's not just that some things happened and some things didn't happen. It's that all of them happened to lesser degrees of each other. Huh. And and the whole and what was synthesized out of all of those possibilities is your canon setting now. So yeah. there, there is an Orsinium, there is, you know, Zuranarctus is dead, and it, it's just a whole bunch of stuff happening all at once, and it's like, wow. In, in, in the sequel, there's a possibility that um, 
both the both the Empire and the uh, other guys won. Jeez. <laughs> the Stormcloaks. Huh. Yeah, Stormcloaks. Thank you. One thing I do kind of want to like, I guess I should have done or asked earlier, but like circle back to is like if somebody, if somebody hasn't played Skyrim, like how would you how would you describe it to them? Like, because they're just like oh uh, like. I mean, if somebody hasn't played it, they probably just know it's some big fantasy game. Like, you know, what what is it what is it about it that like people are are so invested in? Like, even like ten years after it came out, like what 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 is it? That's mm. that is a good question. I think probably the simplest answer is that you can <clears throat> you have the opportunity to ch- you know to to pick your path outside of the main, you know, you're not being necessarily forced to do the main storyline, but you can do it at your own pace. You can create your own specific circumstances to it. So you can create a Nord who sides with the empire. You could create a high elf that sides with the storm cloaks. You could, create an argonian who just the lusty argonian man <laughs> no, no well who you, yeah he, uh, no yeah you could create a lusty argonian maid who basically goes around marrying all the people and somehow keeping them in separate houses so that they never ever it's, it's hard it's hard it. work man it's, it's it's almost its own job <laughs> <sighs> but yeah like i, I think I don't know, like, I think I would describe it as somebody as more of, like, you know, like, a, it's like a fantasy sandbox for you to create your own, like, Lord of the Rings-esque fanfiction, almost, is, like, that. that's how I've utilized it, almost, is, like, okay, I can, I can make whatever kind of character here and, like, pick my companions and go around the world, like, doing, like, cool quests and finding these, like, mythical monsters and stuff, and then just, like, you get to just live out a story that, like, nobody wrote for you. Right, that's that's the thing, and I think that's a trait that it shares with like the the Fallout games, like from Bethesda. Just like the idea is them to give you a set of tools and and a world, and let you just kind of do the rest of it. Which like some will argue is like not great, and you know I think sure that that formula isn't for everybody, but it's something that I like. I personally really enjoy is like being given a, a toolkit and being able to make a story that the developers didn't know about. For me, it's the immersion in the game. It's like when you play it, you get put in a different world. And um, like so much so when I bought it for the PS4 and um, you know when the creative um, uh, Bethesda's new mod thing where you have to buy from mods, what's it called? It's like... No, the Creation Club? Yeah, we'll get into it. Creation that. Club. We'll get into it. Oh, dear. When that first came out, uh, I think everybody got, like, 200 free credits or something. Yeah. And I, I used mine to um, buy as um, a su- survival mode, a bit like what you get in uh, New Vegas. Uh-huh. And because um, I wanted to create more immersion. It's terrible, by the way, because your character gets hungry after every hour and you'll eat, like, five cheese ro- <laughs> uh, cheese wheels. It's, they're still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there, there's a there's a mod in survival mode which i think is that frost or something which is like i can't remember the name of it i'll, I'll... wear warm clothes and stuff yeah like it's actually yeah. excellently done by a fan obviously um the immersion of it is like not really as much from like uh it, it's not like the graphics or anything you know are like so good it's it, like 
it's the last of us two if anyone played it like that one yeah. that kind of that game is so immersive because it looks more real than real life like the lighting and the movement of like the grass and like you know just like all that kind of stuff is so real it's hard to almost differentiate it from real life but it, that's not the reason that like skyrim pulls people in so much and i think like the reason is because like it does a good job of like really making a blank slate for you to like put whatever you want on it yeah, and, yeah. i don't know I mean, um I, I i like that um whatever character you make whatever like skills you decide to choose people in the game i mean just passerbys usually the guards will, like make little comments about it like your race or like the fact that you're carrying a great sword or something and then they'll say something dumb even though you're level 80 and be like can you even swing that sword yeah <laughs> and then it breaks it a little bit but then you get back in yeah yeah um, i love yeah. some of the random events like someone will come and rob you and you're standing there wearing full daedric armor or all dragon all dragon bone armor like you've you've yeah. killed a dragon and you've made armor out of it and some guy comes up to you and he wants he, he wants like 50 quid off you but but somehow those contradictions are just like it adds to the eerie. charm of it yeah 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 it, it just makes yeah. so that's a fun more somehow. i mean that's a good lead into this question which is like what like th between this and like uh and the fallout games like there is something, like, weirdly endearing about, like, the almost, like, unfinished nature of, of Bethesda Game Studios games. And, like, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, what, what do you think it is about it that grabs people so much? Like, because there are, if you want, like, a, a hard open-world RPG, like, there's plenty of other ones out there. Like, but something about this formula, like, keeps pulling people back in. And, and I mean, like, even gimping it like you know fallout 4 like sold like way more copies of any game ever like it, it's it's lit from from what i could understand like fallout 4 is like the single best-selling rpg ever like i mean what what is it about this whole thing that like is speaking to a wide audience so much and like has made it so like fun for the general public who doesn't normally get into this stuff like people who may not be into dungeons and dragons or other like uh, tabletop RPGs or, or harder, you know, uh, like CRPGs on PC and stuff like that. I think it's definitely the freedom that you get. You can just you can do what you want. Like you'll you'll get given like ten quests and you can pick which one you want to do, and which one you feel like doing. Um, games like Red Dead, you they would want you to play. You you get given like five quests and you can't progress any further until you've done this one or this side quest won't become available until you've done this one. It's whereas Bethesda games, it's just like the world's your oyster. Like wherever you go, you'll come across something. You can decide whether to pick it up or not. And if you don't want to, that's fine. You can go on your way. Or sometimes you don't even have to do the quest. You can just go and make a farm yeah. or build a house. <laughs> or right. um, you can right. go and shoot some chickens and annoy villagers. Um... Yeah. And it's the inventory system as well. Like, Bethesda just lets you pick up everything that you want. Like, yeah. even stuff that has yeah. no value to it, you can just pick it up. And I love how in Fallout 4 they gave you a reason to do that. With yeah, the, uh, settlement to, to build thing. things, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, I, just, I just love that. It makes you feel like you're more in this world. Yeah, it really makes you feel like a Skyrim. The, yeah. Uh, I, uh, so I, I want to, like, see if... D does anyone have any, like, interesting personal moments they want to share, like... Something that maybe stuck with you from your time in this game somewhere? Black Reach. Yeah. 
meeting Parthenax for yeah. the first time. So, no, like, well, explain that to anyone who doesn't know what that is. Oh, gosh. Um, the <laughs> Greybeards, like, kind of tell you that you're finally able to meet their leader, and you're like, who's this guy that I haven't been able to meet this whole time? And you finally go to the very tippy top of the mountain, and then you the find out that of the it's world. Uh, the, this ancient dragon that's not bad somehow, and, like, he wants to help you. And it's just, whoa, the first time for me. Yeah, it, that was wild. Cause does is it the first time you go up there that um Alduin also appears and you like do the fight thing, or is that later? Uh, uh no, that, that's, that's later, later on. Okay. Um, I remember that being a very cool epic moment though, seeing the two dragons fight on top of the the tallest mountain in the world. <laughs> yeah. And Parthenax is like, it's me, Mario. Yeah. Oh yeah. That <laughs> that that does bear mentioning that. Uh, Charles Martinet, I think is his name, who voices Mario, our friend from the Mushroom Kingdom, also is the voice of Parthenox, the ancient dragon king. (laughs) But he, like, talks like this, you know, and it's, like, very, very, uh, very good. (laughs) Um, I think there's, I'm sure there's a mod to replace his voice with Mario's. Um, there has to be. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry? Yeah. That or, or some hidden files somewhere very oh you think it's already in there you think todd put it in there (laughs) uh no i think i think a sound engineer may have said hey come on charles do the line no i'm not gonna do do the line fine (laughs) it's a a me parthenox yeah have you guys seen the clip where i think it must have been when they were testing um dialogue in oblivion and it's got todd doing the voice acting oh my god that sounds very good it's amazing i really want to see that um one like cool thing about this that i haven't i've yet to like replicate in any other game and i will admit this was only like through the use of mods there's like a very excellent mod called elysium estate which is like a player home and it is the best player home ever made in any video game it is i highly recommend if you were playing skyrim to go grab that um it basically builds this like ranch home for you out like on the outskirts of the farms in, in near whiterun and it's uh it like there's like a hot springs outside there's like a giant like farm there's like far you, you can have like farm hands like working there uh you can have like rooms for like you, uh, as many like children as you adopt and like your partners and stuff and your companions there's a library that you fill with the books that you collect and like can actually see on the shelves you can put all your weapons and armor up on like weapon and armor racks in like the basement there's like a fucking wine cellar for all your alcohol like it's so cool and like the way that I sort of, like, got so into this game was that, like, me and my buddy, I had uh, Inigo with me, who was a modded companion and is excellent, pro- probably is better than any of the real Skyrim companions, um, and, uh, and and Serana, and, like, so the three of us, like, went on adventures and stuff, and so, like, I, between, like, basically between missions, I would, like, have, like, my kids at home, like, with, like, the farmhands, and, like, I had, like, a butler, like, working at the estate, like, taking care of the kids, and, like, I would, like, come back, and, like, you know, we would, like, relax and stuff for a night, and then, like, the next morning, like, go out on another quest kind of a thing, and then, like, come back, and it was just, like, this very, very enthralling cycle of, like, almost mundane, like, additions to this epic fantasy world, you know, um, and, like, I don't know, I just, I got so into it, I, I loved having that, that concept of, like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to, like, keep my family, like, going over here. Like, here's all the... we Here's the 70 wheels of cheese I've collected. You kids should be good for a week. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> then going out and, like, fighting a dragon, you know? Like, it's a, it's, it's a cool... Uh, I don't know. 
that 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 always like has stuck with me and it's again not something i've like been able to replicate that feeling in another video game um but like yeah let's i don't know maybe we can steer into the mods with that so like skyrim is is very famous for being the most moddable game in history um there are i don't know off the top of my head like there's some i'm gonna actually check real quickly how many mods there are uh it's it's a lot so let's just take a look real quickly yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that the first mod that was announced for for Skyrim that you know may may or may not have actually been completed yet. First mod announced for Skyrim. We're gonna do a total conversion to recreate Morrowind because uh, yeah. every time it's every fucking time. Like, yeah. okay, so just quickly, there are sixty four point two thousand individual mods for Skyrim. If you want to go grab one of those. Um, yeah, so as, as far as what you were saying, yeah, every single fucking time, like, a new game... Like, obviously, the Fallout 4 New Vegas mod is still in production. The Fallout 4 Capital Wasteland, where they're rebuilding Fallout 3 in the Fallout 4 engine, is also in production. Like, they're, they're always doing this. And, of course, like, there's an Oblivion... There, I think there's a playable build where you can move around parts of Oblivion in the Skyrim engine. But it's 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 funny to me that, like... That's sort of the thing that happens every time. Also, just for reference, um, Bethesda games are very, very... They're, they're built to be modded. Um, the engine that they're built on is, uh, is like, made in such a way that, like, it's, it's very easy to alter. And Bethesda actually even makes creation kits for people, for modders to use, to release along with the games. So, like, they, they're encouraging people. Then, I mean, it's that's good that they are, because I think they understand the only reason their games exist or are popular is because of mods. Um, yeah. Wasn't that Skyrim that had the big controversy on Steam with the mods? Uh, was it because of the, um, which, which they thing? They wanted, like, a cut? Was, was that was oh, Skyrim? yes, that was Skyrim. You're right. That was early on, though. That was, like, 2012 or 13. Yeah, so uh, Bethesda set up a relationship, like, a partnership, basically, with Valve in, like, early times after Skyrim came out because they saw people were modding it and they were like, hey, we're gonna um, do a thing where, like, modders can, like, officially license their their mods, like, through us and, like, people on the Steam Workshop can, like, pay them a little bit f to, like, support them because they do it for free, like, uh, you know, out of, out of their passion for the game. And that was their pitch. What, what it really ended up being was, like, pay us $10 for this, for this horse armor. Um, and... Yeah, Without saying horse armor. <laughs> yeah, without without the horse armor. Look, pay us ten dollars for this for this slightly bigger mud crab, you know, and like yeah, the there was a horrible fan backlash. I think the program only lasted like a few months at most, and they like sort of like disassembled it and were like, okay, you're right, we get it. Like we we, we don't want you to pay for mods. And then 2015 rolls around, <laughs> and uh, after Fallout 4 releases, they're like, I think I would like some more of the money though. And uh, they started up the Fallout and Skyrim Creation Club, which is a program, uh, which is still running, by the way, which is insane to me. Um, it does still exist. It, it's not active anymore, but it, it is there, um, where modders can officially license their, their mods through Bethesda Game Studios and get paid by them. And then it, the idea is that, like, you're basically buying mini DLCs for things. So, like... Yeah, and you have to buy it in Bethesda bucks, right? And then we get into the whole fucking two currencies microtransaction nightmare of the mobile game world, where yeah. I have like I have a hundred like they give you a hundred and fifty Bethesda bucks, and it's like okay, 
would you like the horse crab armor? It's only a hundred. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I want armor for my horse, my 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 or my must my horse crab. Sorry, my, my horse my horse crab needs armor, and then you have fifty credits left, and it's like, oh, fifty is like not quite enough to buy anything, but if you spend ten bucks, you can get a thousand more of these credits, and yeah. it's like you know it's one of those things, and it's I mean like in in a word it's it's predatory honestly the the whole system and. The, the the pitch originally for the creation club was like listen you guys like love these worlds we're just gonna let the fans like tell their own stories like fans can make actual quests for the creation club and like get them officially licensed and canonized like isn't that cool and um what a cool concept right of course never came to fruition um the, there's only one from my knowledge there's only one quest that was added through the creation club which is a by the way, great. I, it was great, though. It's a, it, For Fallout 4, it's a Tunnel Snakes quest. Um, <laughs> does, if anyone played Fallout 3, um, you know yeah. the Tunnel Snakes, because yeah. uh, we rule. And there's a, there's a quest that leads you back uh, across, like, uh, you know, it's like to this place in the crater, and you can see that one of the, not, not the main guy, Billy, or whatever, one of, one of the other guys, I can't remember his name, is, like, still alive, right? Because uh, it's ten years later, and he's cross the wasteland and like you know you have a little like bit of dialogue with him and stuff and like learn a little bit you know there's a there's some fun like references to fallout 3 and then you can he gives you a uh, a tunnel snakes jacket like and so you can you can have one of those in fallout 4 and it's like you know canon and everything and like hey that's cool uh unfortunately this this idea just basically became like microtransaction hell very quickly for yeah. a 60 dollar game <laughs> Yeah, and and that really bothers me, particularly uh, with Fallout Four, because uh, there's a lot of stuff that has been put up on Creation Club by Bethesda that you kind of think, "Gee, shouldn't this have been in the original game?" You know, or at least if you're gonna if you're gonna pull this, at least put it in the DLC packs that you yeah extorting for fifteen bucks. Well, yeah, I, I think the price of the DLC packs could be argued. The, I don't know if anyone remembers, like, because I'm I'm very into Fallout, but like the original price of the the season pass for Fallout Four was was a uh, was fifty dollars, um, and oh no, you I'm thinking wrong because the original price was thirty dollars for a season pass, and like I was I'm a big Fallout shell, so I bought it immediately, and I was like great. Then they like about two weeks after they premiered that they were like, oh, the scope of what we're doing is so big that we we're actually going to up the price to fifty dollars. So they like actually raised the price of the season pass before releasing anything else for it, which was really funny. Um, yeah, like I, I I even as a big fan of these games, like I I and I don't think anyone else can defend a lot of like Bethesda's commercial practices. <laughs> they have not been great. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, I think that one thing I want to, I guess, get at from this whole conversation is, like, mods are the reason that this game is still, like, alive right now. Because, like, you can still keep reconfiguring Skyrim or, or Fallout to, like, be whatever you want it to be. Um, and uh, if you guys, if anyone's listening and, and thinking mods are very scary and hard to do, Nexus has made them extremely, extremely easy to do. Like, it's literally like once you get it set up it's it's literally going to the mods page and clicking the button and saying okay and that's that's the end of the conversation it used to be much much more work um they're just as easy on steam yeah it, the I steam know. yeah the steam workshop is really easy too like you just you know add something um 
but yeah, so I don't know. Have, have you guys played modded, modded Skyrim, or did you guys stay vanilla the whole time? I'm on PS4, so what we've got <laughs> available is very, very yeah. limited. Yeah. I did a mod where we get more trees, <laughs> like, and another one where, um, where, uh, like, it's like an immersion mod where you come across like random, more like random people just walking around. So say you meet a guy in Winterhold, like you can see him walking around by marker. That becomes a little bit annoying at times because you'll get a quest. I'll be like, why is he over there? <laughs> he's, he's not usually there. And there's another one where it's added um, more like random battles. So when you go up to the forts, you'll often see the Stormcloaks and Imperials like fighting there. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of times it, it becomes annoying because um, you're just trying to get to your day-to-day -day, uh, thing and you're just come, like squeezing through this battle like, excuse me. Excuse me. Yep. <laughs> I just just want to come by. <laughs> huh. Yeah. 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 With with PS4, um, the mods that I've that I've picked up are, you know, they're they're minor things. You know, they're they're you know, it's pets, it's variant crafting items, that sort of thing. It's not yeah. a, you know, I I honestly have not considered getting a lot of the bigger mods, you know, a lot of the adventure type stuff. Partially because uh, I still have bad memories of uh, <clears throat> of trying to mod uh, Morrowind and having the thing die a horrible death on me. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Morrowind was very much, you know, adding mods in Morrowind and was very much like playing Jenga. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you pull stuff out, you add stuff in, and you try really hard yeah. not to make that collapse <laughs> that's yep. fair the yeah yeah i uh i don't know I, I so i guess trying to kind of pull this to some sort of conclusion i i think it's i don't actually think we've said does does ever do you like recommend this game to people like i know there's like ups and downs of it but like what, what do you guys think like 100 percent. yeah yeah it it's a good fun game it's you know it is simple enough that people who are not hardcore RPG or RPG players can get into it and say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm walking around. I'm occasionally casting spells. Oh crap. I just stole this sweet roll from, from the annoyed guard who took an arrow to the knee. Oh, I love <clears> that. <throat> I love the arrow to the knee. It's, it's so funny when they do the joke. Um, yeah. Like, okay, so, yeah, like, I, I also think, like, I reckon, like, Skyrim is, like, fucking $2 now. Just go buy it. Like, I don't know why you don't have it. <laughs> just, just try it out. It's okay. Um, no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good game. I think that everyone's, like, a little bit sick of them re-releasing it. <laughs> um, yeah. And would just, and, like, of course, we have the PS5 listings for Skyrim have been leaked, of course. Um, so that's coming. Don't worry about that. Um, at the very least, the only, I can, I can say at least that the PS5 version is actually a free upgrade, like slash Xbox series X is like a free upgrade if you already own it. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I guess that's nice, but yeah, I mean like, well, we can talk about Elder Scrolls six concepts a little bit later. Um, so I want to, want to wrap this up here. Does Skyrim need more or less ghosts? First of all, 
the best character in Skyrim is the ghost of Lucy and Lachance. So I'm gonna go with more. <clears throat> yeah, I love the ghost stories. Yeah, the ghosts are the ghosts are really good. I think that maybe my I think one of my favorite things that happened in, in Skyrim was this isn't really a ghost thing, but like finding the the abandoned house and like accidentally becoming a slave to like Malrog Bal or whatever his name oh, was. Yeah. <laughs> Molag Ball. Molag yeah. Ball, yeah. Uh, and That's a weird encounter, just some shady guy outside the house, like, hey, come in here. Yeah, hey, come <laughs> in, come on in. And then, like, the house, like, shakes and screams behind you, and you're like, done. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, the, I don't know, I think, like, the supernatural elements, and then I remember there was, like, a, a, a lesser deity that, like, asked me to, like, do this, like, temple for her, which was cool. But anyway, like, yeah, like, the, the, the ghost stuff is, is fun. Would you count like the um what is her name the mother from the Dark Brotherhood what's her name the Night Mother the Night Mother do you think she counts as a ghost I I don't mm, not really no I think yeah I've Nobody always does. seen her as more of a uh, I know she's not a Daedric prince but I've always like I mean, viewed her as more along yeah I yeah think so. um yeah I think more ghosts would be good I think sort of a a ghost army would be fun. Yeah, just the... in the storyline where you come across you're in um a, you're in a dwarven ruins and you come across that I can't remember her name, but it opens up a massive quest where you're looking for these shards because she wants yeah. to open up a forge. I the love that quest. Yeah. Yeah, I love the whole idea that um this uh the dwarven ruins that you start off and she says it's it was the most intact one she'd ever seen. It was like uh, pristine, like like as if it, um, the dwarves were still living there, and uh, now it's like just fallen to bits, and that's how she died because she did something, and it caused like massive earthquakes that just destroyed her. I love that quest. Huh. Okay, so I think more ghosts is good. Like, I mean, just kind of toss them in there. Yeah. Well, don't don't toss them in there no, just for the sake of having ghosts. No, but... I, I think we should just kind of throw them. Yeah, and give give me good ghost stories. Yeah. Oh, and that uh, one where you're um, on your way to the throat of the world, and there's I can't remember the name of the settlement, but they're living right next to a um, to a Nordic ruins. Yeah. And when you go, they say it's haunted, but when you go inside there, it just turns out it's just some guy, and he's been taking a potion to make him look a bit more like ethereal, and then yeah. like spooking people off. And and it's also made him crazy. Yeah. And that'll happen. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, we've been here for maybe nine or ten years. So let's keep on uh, chugging. Um, now it is time for games. Um, this is the f the first interesting thing about this game is that I forgot to prepare it, and so I've prepared another game while we've been doing the podcast. <laughs> um, if you if if there's a part where you heard me disappear for maybe seven or eight minutes, that was then. <laughs> um, so what I've concocted here is uh it's a guessing game for you guys uh what i've done i have uh we're, we're gonna play a netflix original series or itch.io game <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, which is i'm i'm very excited about the concept of i have randomized the order of these um so there's no like pattern to it or anything uh so each of the titles that i'm gonna read you is either a netflix original series or it is the title of a uh of a like small indie game on itch.io and uh, I need you guys to figure out which one's which. Okay. All right. So the first one is Control Z. Itch.io. Game. Yeah. It's just because it's supposed to sound like a game. 
It's a Netflix show. Oh, there we go. Control really? Z. Yeah, it's a Netflix original series. I believe it's in Spanish. <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Wizard colon Tales of Arcadia. All right. Itch.io. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Game. That's also a Netflix show. Gosh. Are you kidding? Come on. <laughs> I feel like I've played that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've seen it somewhere. I, I swear I've seen a press release for it what's, somewhere. What's very funny is that, like, the reason I, like, thought of this whole idea is that I'm sitting next to my, my TV, which is, like, on, and like, it's on Netflix, and it's doing the screensaver thing where it's flashing through their original shows. And I saw Wizard Tales of Arcadia, and I was like, that's not a show. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, how about this one? Project Cat, K-A-T, like somebody's name. Project Cat. Itch.io. Netflix. I'm going with Netflix on that one. That is itch.io. Hey, ah. come on. It's a game. It's a game. Let's fix cat. Um, all right. How about this one? Stay here. Game. Netflix. Netflix. That is Netflix. Uh, stay here could also be like a very like short indie game about like about just having to stay in one place while a bunch of things are happening. <laughs> Or like you don't listen. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's try this one. Outcast lovers. Flex. Uh, it itch io. Game. Yeah, that that is a game. Hey. Uh, I thought that might be a fun sort of Netflix series where there's two people like on the road, you know. Um. Okay. Wild Wild Country. Netflix. I think mm. I've seen that on Netflix. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it is Netflix. I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah. If you see, I tried to pick stuff I didn't think anyone had seen. Um, all right. How about this one? Cable Girls. Netflix. You know that one, too? Game. Oh, wow. Netflix. I'm not sure. I think so. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Gone Viral. Netflix. Mm. Game? That is a game. Wow. Yeah. What a weird... All right, let's finish. Let's close out with this one, the Night Fisherman. Netflix game. Game. That is a game. You get to be a night fisherman. You fish at night. <laughs> Sounds so fun. It's good. It uh, it has uh, some number of stars, I'm sure, <laughs> um, on the website. <laughs> all right let's uh let's let's roll off to the end here let's uh everyone please pull out the uh commemorative uh todd howard oh, coin you should have all received in the, the mail i need to open the envelope here sorry okay uh yeah th there will be a winking todd howard on it that's how you know that's the right one um all right so uh everybody i want us to go around and tell me like uh where the, I, I guess, like, the title, maybe, or the region, or I, I guess the title is just going to be the region, but, like, what do you guys want yep. for the Elder Scrolls 6? Well, like, what, what region do you <laughs> want, and, like, what kind of vibe do you want it to have? Just, like, kind of, like, an, an, quickly. So, like, Axel, what, do you, what are you thinking? Uh, for Elder Scrolls 6, uh, I would like to see this one, I'd like to see it set in uh, Akavir. Uh, completely removed from Tamriel, different continent. Uh... De from what I got, it had a very Asian kind of vibe to it. Uh, the reason that you have Blades operatives running around with katanas and whatnot in Skyrim is because those were Akaviri weapons. Okay. I would, I would like to see them, you know, see what they do with that, where everything is changed over, where 
you know, they just kind of throw everything out the window for once and have fun the same way they did with Morrowind. Because that was, I think, a lot of the big appeal with Morrowind. It was not your typical, you know, European fantasy situation. You know, I, I love me some Skyrim. I, I love, you know, the, the Norse trappings and whatnot. But sometimes I just want to see something completely out there. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah. All right. I think that like a I think like having like a little bit of like you know Chinese influence on the architecture and like stuff like that would be so interesting to see in that world. Um, well, well, not just Chinese, but you know Tibetan. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Indian. You know, even Khmer would be interesting. You know, go crazy, guys! You got the you have this whole continent you've played up for five games now. Right. Like this, yeah, and and Skyrim is is huge, by the way. And of course, if you if you count all the different versions of Skyrim together, it's the best selling RPG, uh, single RPG of all time. But uh, the so what I'm saying is, there's a huge audience to hit with this next well, game. And, and um, Elder Scrolls Five, I think uh, Todd said one time, was actually supposed to involve uh, someone returning from Akavir, and lore people will know who that is. We're my lore uh, people out there. You know what I'm talking about. Very exciting story that that is possibly taking place over there. So that 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 would be a really exciting place. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, So Ryan, what do you what do you think for your wish? Uh, I mean, I would put it on the Somerset Isles, and I want to see the political drama there. I want to join a resistance against the Thalmor, and then I want to do something that's never happened in any of the games. And, and something, like, metaphysical to restore the tower there. And more people will know what towers are. Um, <laughs> but every game involves a tower, basically. And they they all get destroyed, and the elves are winning this, like, metaphysical battle for reality. Uh-huh. And um, I just want a game where, where where the good guys get a win. Yeah, let's, let, let's I mean, just... good guys is another yeah. controversial term, but there we go. Yeah, and I, I want it to be called, like, Elder Scrolls Six Restoration or something. Oh, okay. Kind of deviate away from that. Get back to the arena. <laughs> okay, Jess, how about you? I heard a big rumor that it's supposed to be set in High Rock and where the orcs came from. So, you know, like a bit of both. Apparently they're at war with each other or something. Um, but where I'd like it to be set would be either um, elsewhere or um, Black Marsh, because, um, especially Black Marsh, because I've heard there's uh, Argonians um, can, like, breathe underwater to explore, like, underwater areas. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just thinking, like, an Avatar 2 situation, where they're you've got massive, of, like... Yeah, they're sort of the Gungans of this universe. Yeah, like, underwater caves and stuff. That would be really cool, where most of the world is actually, like, underneath the surface. Okay. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. That you does know, cool. So, you know, exploring jungles, marshes, sinkholes. Yeah, that uh, that that would be really kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, like personally, for me, I uh, I've been enticed by the idea of uh, Valenwood, and like having it be this like densely forested world, which but like with a much more, which with a much bigger focus on like. A lot of like creatures roaming these forests like and having it be i guess much more um, a much more undeveloped world like sure having these like ur- these like s- urban centers here and there or whatever 
and like these walled off cities and things but like i i like the idea of like being in this enchanted like this straight up like fantasy enchanted forest between the cities you know like having that like danger of not knowing like what the rules are and stuff like that um of, of how things work and how nature operates here and and having to sort of learn like what what this world is like and and like how to survive in this forest not specifically making it a survival game or anything but like just like what i don't know i I like the idea of being like super like blindsided seeing a bunch of creatures that have never been seen before and stuff like that um and i I like the idea of it being in this like this this magical like forest and having you know some of that kind of stuff um that would be that would be interesting, you know, having trees that are wandering around like long necks on their own yeah. orbit there. Fuck, and... throw some ants in there. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, um, the most exciting thing I uh, think about Black Marsh would also be the hissed trees, like getting down yeah. to the one, like yeah. in action maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool. So, like, as a quick bonus for you guys, does any does anyone have like a dream? Like, if you could let any any developer for a, a guest developer, if you if you wanted to, you know, hand, hand the reins over to somebody else temporarily, hand it over to Firaxis. What, what did they do? What are they known for? Uh, uh, Civilization, okay. XCOM, you know, I mean, it's Sid Meier. Come on. Yeah. How, how, you know, what would Sid Meier do with an Elder Scrolls? You know? Kind of getting a larger scope of, of what this, this world is like, I guess. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I don't know, does anyone have any ideas? Dirk Kojima. Yes. Because he achieved yes. what oh, wow. Todd could never. Oh, God. You can climb that mountain in Death Stranding. You can climb it. You can it. climb the mountain. Ah. Yeah, you're, not, you're not just rubbing against it until you eventually like get onto a tiny little ledge. No, you can climb that mountain. Uh, yes. Um, I, I choose Tail, wor- tail Worlds. Uh-huh. Um, they make Mountain Blade, which I think is the best like sword bow shield combat in games right now in my opinion okay i i very very much want uh as with every franchise ever i think uh i want arcane to do it uh the dishonored uh, prey people yeah uh, cause they're, they're my favorite studio for sure and i think they would do such a cool job like getting like that action combat down with like the combination of magic and like you know conventional weapons which is what they do best um just like get like a little bit like tighter like this probably it wouldn't be an, an open world thing it would be a little bit like tighter than that but just like can you imagine like being in that world and getting access to all those like wide variety of spells like that oh, that'd be so cool Thief ah! guild would be so much better it with would. their like <laughs> it might have mechanic. real thieves in it that's mechanic yeah. <laughs> like you can actually do proper stealth kills in dishonored whereas in skyrim like if you try sneaking up on someone most of the time uh, like if you go to hit them, it just kind of clunks them over the head. They're like, "Ow!" Um, but with like Dishonored, you can actually do like a sneak up kill. Yeah, I do. I do want to mention real quickly. I, I I'm sorry we glossed over this. I think one of the cool things that makes Skyrim very different is that their leveling up system works very differently from really any other game I've played. Where like you you get better at something by doing it, not by upgrading it and then you know like utilizing that power, <laughs> like. Yeah. If you want to get better at like long swords, you need to use your long sword, and you'll just get better at it. Yeah, Oblivion was great with that. Just like up, leveling up your acrobatics by just jumping just around jumping. the place. Exactly. 
like that, yeah. that's you know it's like a fun like meme thing almost but like in skyrim if you're crouching and you just like walk around the world like that you'll get like you know maximum stealth just by like walking <laughs> around crouching that that one shout where it it like lets them know that you're around but not where you are that that's the best yeah oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that you scream at people to make them die oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I had just finished the Thieves Guild quest when I found that shout. I was like, no, I could have just used that. Uh, I, actually, I, should, I again, should have probably mentioned this earlier. Does anyone have, like, a specific favorite quest they want to shout out from Skyrim? Oh, gosh. Ooh. You reminded me of it when you were talking about the guy who, like, is just like, hey, come in here. Let me show you yeah. something. I got my basement. Hey, um, I got a cool thing. I'm I, I, like, my house. <laughs> I like when you get to be that guy and yeah. the people to the shrine of both Thea. Yeah, yeah. I I actually really enjoyed the I know like people like are mad because it wasn't as good as Oblivion's but like I really enjoyed the Dark Brotherhood stuff in this like I thought it was fun yeah uh, Cicero yeah. is dumb and I liked killing him <laughs> I love the Thieves Guild one just because Mercer Frey is like the dodgiest guy in the world and they're like someone's betraying us we've got to work for, work out who it is <laughs> and in the end it's just like. What is Mercer? Mr. Like, Jenkins. Yeah. The Thieves Guild was at least as good um, compared to Oblivion as uh, as people think Oblivion was compared to Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, probably the probably the best quest I I really enjoyed was uh, a night to remember. Uh, was the uh, the Daedric quest for uh, Sanguine. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> the you, yeah. you get drunk, you wake up in Markarth. And you have done some. It was. It was. It's basically the hangover. It it is the hangover, but it's so well done. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and Sanguine, even you know, even at the end, he gives you the staff, and he says, you know, you you ask, you know, what was all this for? And he says, you know, I get drunk, I make bad decisions. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's let's round this out. So I want to shout a quick uh, thanks to Todd Howard again uh, for making video game. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I I know we're like this has sort of become like a Todd centric podcast. Even though like most, I don't think any of the games have been made by him until now. Uh, I don't know. Ryan, uh, why don't you t- tell me if if I if somebody didn't know who Todd Howard was, what would you say to them to explain? Um, I think he gets a lot more shit than he deserves because he's the face of a company but other than that i think he's a guy that really does he's he's a game developer that really does in the end care more about the game than money i agree with you and i mean like i think if you look a lot into it you can see that like i mean he's a game he's a game developer right like he's not the one making the financial publisher decisions at bethesda softworks like that is a board of people in suits but yeah, he like being the face of a company gets you a lot of extra flack for anything. Um, so um, um, I want to uh, also give a quick shout out to like a favorite video series of mine that I know Ryan has seen called Touch the Skyrim from Polygon. Um, it is very good. It's just two guys kind of like modding Skyrim and one of them going through it for the first time. And it is some of the funniest shit I've seen in my whole life. Um, it, I highly recommend it to anyone who's played Skyrim. Um all right, so uh, let's let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, and Gamebusters. Uh, make sure to visit us at GameBuster.com. Uh, we are picking up our YouTube channel. I've got a few of them out. Uh, I've got a few new videos out. I've got something uh, for Fallout 4 out. I've started a new series, the Super Mutant Variety Hour, where we're going to sort of just explore Todd's wasteland. Um, uh, 
And uh, yeah, does anyone else have any upcoming things they want to plug? Jet? Uh, yeah, not really. Uh, I'm still working on uh, on getting a couple of novel drafts edited, so okay, nothing nice. really to plug that's, per se. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Jess, what are you working on right now? What's your big project? Uh, well, I'm also writing a book, but I'm like wow. a page in. And I have been a page in for about a year, so interesting. But we'll forget about that. <laughs> the George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Only like I'm George R. R. Martin without having done anything like good, <laughs> like sure. previously that people are waiting for. Yeah, um, just, just we we need we need to get you into NaNoWriMo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have just written an article about um, gender, um, oh, yeah, females. Yeah video games that's yeah that's worth a read that was a good article i liked it you should you should check it out um Je- by the way it turns out that women can still sell video games too what yeah shocker it's i know <laughs> i don't know that that's what the numbers say i don't know um yeah it's weird this whole time i've just been buying them because there's a guy in it <laughs> it's anyway but um all right, so uh, great. Uh, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up then. Thank you everybody uh, for for sticking with us. Um, I guess that I I won the Hall of Fame Lester contest finally. Um, so I'm gonna uh, take us out on something. Uh, I guess my, my signature sort of catchphrase. Uh, uh, Serana is my OTP with myself. That's true. that i had prepared yeah uh, i'll give it to you it was just uh see that game you can bust it todd howard 2020 oh wow that would have been good uh that's too bad maybe i'll edit yours in instead of mine <laughs> <laughs>